0: For, 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 all things, for, 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 for all things KC, KC. for everything Chiefs. It's always, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum
1: and Cody Tap. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. I am your host, Kayla Kinnearum. Joining me, we've got my co host, Cody Tapp, and our producer, Nick Schwert. Guys, how are we doing on this Red Friday? We officially know the game will be held in Tampa, so we don't have to go to Minnesota. How do we feel about this? I'm actually shocked Um, because I feel like there's a lot going on in Florida right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is the NFL at its finest. The easy, simple thing to do would just be move the game from the state ravaged by a hurricane. But instead, their mayor is like, we want the game. And you're like, but I don't know, like first responders might need to go to other parts of the state. Read the room. do Do you know how many people it takes to run an NFL game? It's so much manpower that could be used in this state instead. I'll be honest. I'm I'm convinced that it's probably that Brady said he won't. He won't leave. Nikki <coughs> refuses. He says, I won't leave this state and play in the NFL. And the NFL's like, come on, Tom, please, Tommy, we need you. Mahomes and Brady, Sunday night football. He's like, I will not leave the state of Florida. I agreed to that with the Bucs when they gave me Wednesdays and sometimes Thursdays off. And I didn't have to show up for training camp. I will not leave the state of Florida unless it's a road game. They're like, fine, I guess you win. What other explanation for there it, Kayla? I mean, just move the game, right? This seemed easy to the rest of us, but they're just going to keep it in Tampa, I guess.
1: I I mean, just seeing all the pictures and my heart goes out to all the people in Florida who have been affected by this. And yeah, a NFL game seems incredibly insignificant in light of everything going on. Um, but I guess, I mean, if the conditions are okay there, I, I guess it makes sense to have it there. I just feel like resources could be used elsewhere at the moment, Um But yeah, Yeah. it's
0: a sad situation.
1: And as of yesterday, the airport wasn't even open. So I'm just, I mean, people aren't even going to be able to get to the game. Media covering the game. Hopefully the Chiefs will get to the game. I'm assuming they will. It's just not a good situation in Florida.
2: So do we know this? Like, do we know that the conditions or like the resources that are needed in Florida like are are bad enough to the point where this is a, a reckless decision by the NFL?
0: I guess we don't know for sure, but I mean, look at the category of hurricane. It was look at the damage done to other parts of the state. It just seems trivial is what it is. Yeah. Even if, even if the resources aren't stealing resources from other things that need it, you have to understand that optically it looks like you're just trying to force feed a football game into an area that doesn't need it at this moment. And it's just like, that doesn't, like, they're not, I don't know. And, like, I, in the NFL, you know, they'll stick the the lower third banner that says donate blood to the American Red Cross or if they'll run a 30-second PSA about donating 15 cents or a dollar a day. You know, like, they'll run something that tries to seem like they care, but they're like, but we're keeping this game in Tampa. So, well, we'll we won't do the rest of it. This game's going to be Sunday Night Football on NBC. We're protecting our partners. So, it, it feels very hollow.
2: Okay, so I just want to, Kayla, I, gotta, I feel like Cody and I are constantly like catching you up with old inside jokes that he and I have from the radio show together. So this is one. I,
1: I love being always, on the outside of inside jokes. I'm not
2: <laughs> going to tell you the exact nickname that I dubbed Cody with uh, several months ago for some of his stances on things that happen around mm-hmm. sports. But mm-hmm. I will just describe it by saying, Cody is often attacking the major institutions and the major
0: (laughs) sports teams.
2: He thinks I'm too woke,
0: Kayla. He thinks I'm too woke. Oh, snap. So
2: so I always try to play devil's advocate when he is being woke. And I was ready (laughs) to do that. But before, I just want to read the quote that you referenced, Cody, from the Tampa mayor about, and this was from yesterday, I believe about playing the game as scheduled on Sunday night. This is the quote from the city of Tampa mayor who is uh, Jane Castor. Okay. Here's what she said. Quote, we made it through. Now the recovery efforts begin. I can't thank our city of Tampa teams enough. Our push crews are going in out in full force to clear debris and keep our city safe. On another note, we're doing our best to keep the Buccaneers game here Sunday. I have assured the NFL that the only disturbance here Sunday is when the Bucks kick ass. End quote. Do you know I thought this was an onion deaf? article.
1: Oh, it my sounds so tough. It's It's like, in is one Jane statement. aware what's happening in the rest of the state?
0: Yeah, she is. It was in the first part of her statement. Guys, I'm really sorry. The first responders are going to keep our stuff. Bucks kick ass. See you Sunday. <laughs> You're like, no, you can't say football team kick ass in the same sentences. We're going to keep our city safe following this devastating hurricane.
1: <laughs> Chiefs, Chiefs by 40.
0: I mean, I hope so. Sometimes I just feel like it's... Uh, like you root against the people who are... St- like if the Bucks in any way were like, we have to be here. You're like, no, you don't. doesn't matter. It's fine. Just let that other stuff go. And I just... I never understand the notion of like pushing through a sporting event. When it, and again, it's not like you're going to be the... This isn't George Bush throwing out the first pitch after 9-11, right? There's not going to be some big grandstanding show of performance that, like, makes people feel good. That was a moment that made people feel good in a very difficult and troubling time. I don't think this Chiefs-Bucks game on Sunday night is accomplishing that. So it, it just feels like they're forcing it for no reason.
1: Yeah, actually, I'm on your side, Cody, with this.
0: I will
2: abstain from dubbing you Wokey. All right, Wokey Tap. In this uh, in this moment, so congratulations.
0: That's a good win for me. Uh, someone who normally loses that battle, I'll take it. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Do you think we'll at least get a moment of silence?
0: Yes. Probably. The NFL
2: loves those uh, those like self grandizing moments where yeah. they get to say, "Look at what we're doing. Look or at they how they can much just put we care.
0: They can just put end racism. Look, we painted things, so that counts." <laughs> okay, Wokey. All right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you're. I went too far. See, Kaylee, let me talk to long. And
1: on that note, anyway. <laughs> well, obviously, this game is one of those um, where two teams are going in after coming off of a loss. Normally, we would talk about this as a bounce back game. What do you guys think? Where are we at with this? Because we know on Monday, whoever loses, it's going to be, well, what's wrong with this team? What's wrong with the Chiefs? They're falling apart. What's wrong with the Bucks? Is it Brady's personal life? You know, like, what's. What is the outcome of this game gonna mean?
0: Who you know what's funny is that even more so than the team who wins, whoever loses this will be a much bigger talking point on like the big TV talking head shows. Like first things first, whatever show. Doesn't matter whichever one you watch, doesn't matter if it's Skip Bayless or Nick Wright, whichever one you watch, Stephen A, the bigger talking point will be what's happening to this other team. Because they then, you know, the Chiefs would have lost back-to-back games to a bad Colts team and then a Brady team that has really struggled offensively. And on the opposite end, the Bucks would have then lost back-to-back games against good opponents, so their wins wouldn't look nearly as good. It's—I mean—I don't think that that's unfair, but I also don't think the Bucks. I don't think the Bucks are all that good this year. So, like, I keep trying to drive myself back to the point that while it is a road game, the Chiefs, in my mind, are the better team and should win. So I will be concerned. Like, I'll feel worse about the loss than I will good about the win. Good about the win will be like, all right, nice work. You're back on track. No more Colts to fuss over. You beat a decent NFL team. You didn't let Tom Brady get the better of you in the offense enough to win. But if they lose to a team that straight up can't score and they can't protect again because the offensive line has struggled, then, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to feel nearly as good. I, I don't think bounce-back games crazy. I think they're both kind of doing that. And if they weren't playing each other, you'd be thinking about one or the other winning this game just because of who they are.
2: You know, this takes me back to the conversations we had before week one, when we were looking at the first six weeks of the Chiefs schedule and you saw all of these tough teams lining up for the Chiefs. And we were kind of trying to figure out what the record would be. When we do these, when we, whenever we do the schedule, the game preview stuff, we never expect the head scratching loss. We never expect them. OK, who's the worst team on the schedule? The Colts. That's the one you lost. But that's exactly the way it played out. So now there's even more added importance on winning this game that on paper should be a fairly close matchup. I know there's the injuries with the Buccaneers. They weren't playing all that well before Evans went out anyway, so I'm not sure how much I want to blame it on that. But you look at the offense, which has kind of come back down to earth after uh, the, the Cardinals game in week one. Now you're going up against a top five defense in the NFL. So while the like the sort of the the glossy storyline feels like this is a get right game for the chiefs on paper. It feels like it's going to be a really tough ask to get right for the chiefs offense against one of the best units in the NFL.
0: Sure. But if all of a sudden their defense struggles against an offense that straight up can't score in what, like to me I'm looking at it as like a t- the totality, it is a get right game and the don't lose two games in a row. You barely lose four games a year. You don't lose two games in a row against opponents. You're better than. Like that's it's it's not just because you can lose to a team that you're worse than whatever, but don't lose back to back games and in, in games you're favored. Like even in the years, Nick, even the last couple of years where they go through the stretches. Yeah, they'd lose some game they shouldn't lose to a team they're worse than in the Colts. And then they would go back and they barely scratch across some gross win against a Jets team or something. But the only time they lost back to back was that that was back in the Alex Smith era when it was Jets, Giants. And those were two bad teams. I don't think the Bucks are a bad team. But the Colts might be, and I think they're better than the box. It just feels like one of those traps you're supposed to avoid. And I don't know. I mean, it's like it's it's weird. This game has a weird feeling. All the stuff we talked about with the game. Then it's like it's a get right game, but for both of them. And then I mean, we all watch this team. Like I don't even feel like there's any Mahomes Brady buzz. I don't like. I'm having a hard time figuring out exactly how to handle it.
1: Gonna bring that up, yeah. For two of the biggest names in football, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of chit chat about this game. Do you guys think that it is because they're both coming off losses or because of that Super Bowl matchup? Or what is the reason for this?
0: The Super Bowl probably killed it a little, right? Because the Mahomes versus Brady in the Mahomes was having the single greatest start to any NFL career ever. Maybe still is. He lost to Brady in the Super Bowl, so it felt like he was like everyone else. But I also think some of it is because Brady's stories are bigger than football right now. Everything everyone is talking about Brady is how he retired and then unretired is taking days off missed part of training camp. And then people making speculations about marital trouble or any of that stuff. Right. I feel like everything about Brady is more about what's going on in his world. Cause I, I don't know. And, and I, you know, Brady doesn't look very good. I guess if he had started the season with nine touchdowns and one pick, we maybe feel different too.
2: I think it's, Simply because they're not the exciting stories in the NFL right now. Brady's offense is injured. Mahomes and the Chiefs have sort of been meh for the past two weeks, at least in terms of production. I think Josh Allen and the Bills are the story of the NFL. I think Tua and the Dolphins, they're the story that people are clinging on to. It's not as much disrespect as much as it is we get bored really quickly with the (laughs) NFL. We're constantly looking for the new shiny object. What's the new story? What's the new team that we can talk about? What's the new sort of debate that we can have? The Chiefs and the Bucs, they're kind of old hat, right? As silly as that may seem for a guy who's in his fifth year starting in the NFL for Mahomes, well, I think NFL fans are just looking for something new to talk about. But ultimately, when that game is played tonight, like that's going to do monster ratings. Everybody's going to be watching. It'll probably be one of the top two or three most-watched games of the NFL season up until that point. So I think maybe the buildup isn't as exciting as it actually will be when the game starts on Sunday night.
1: I don't feel like a lot of Florida is going to be able to watch this game because they don't have power, but to your point, yes, it will be. A lot of people
2: in Florida
0: here.
1: Right. I mean, going back to why are we having it in Tampa, but.
0: It's, I don't know. I mean, sometimes the hype of these games just kind of eliminate themselves as a result of all the things you're talking about. Plus it's like, they're not, they're, you know, like we got Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen coming up on Sunday. No offense. Like, that's also interesting. Like, there's some of it, Nick, is not just that they're not the new thing. It's that there's a lot of good young quarterbacks in the NFL right now, and people are trying to figure out which version of those teams they are. They know the Chiefs are good. The Bucks are probably still one of the better teams in the NFC because it's weak. So just doesn't feel like it's got the same juice.
1: What a weird topic to be talking about Brady and Mahomes as has-beens.
0: <laughs> I don't know. And Mahomes, it's just like people know he's great. They just want to see who else is great. You know, how it is.
1: I know. Well, well someone else who's been doing a lot of talking this week, Shaq Barrett, Bucks linebacker, took a shot at the Chiefs O line. And that makes this an even bigger test for the line to step up. He said earlier this week while giggling, uh, I think we have a lot of favorable matchups. I think we really have an opportunity to really dominate the game. I just think, yeah, we've got an opportunity to really impose our will as pass rushers edge rushers in this game we can really have like a coming out party is he a 15 year old girl um (laughs) (laughs) when asked about Barrett's comments at the podium on Wednesday Mahomes kept it simple and he just said I trust those five guys that we have out there he said I feel like we have one of the best offensive lines in the league and we'll go in there with that mindset guys what do we think about these strong words from Shaq
0: Seemed like kind of an unnecessary shot. Like for a team that's coming off a loss, it feels like he's still enjoying, if you remember, it's still enjoying making fun of the Chiefs. If you remember right after the Super Bowl, the Bucs talked more about the Chiefs than themselves almost. Like it was a shocking ratio. You're like, you're doing more talking about what you did to the Chiefs than you are talking about your team, your players, that your teammates.
2: You? That tells you that that was their motivation going into the game. Yeah, that they were sitting there saying this team isn't that good. This offensive line sucks. We're going to kick their ass up front. And so then when you validate it by going out and actually doing that, I'm sure that was uh, quite the the rush to say, like, this is exactly what we said was going to happen.
0: To pretend like even the current way the Chiefs offensive line is playing is not better than that Super Bowl offensive line. He knows he's making a dig like he knows that's a dig. Like, I I know that we've seen multiple quotes. Creed Humphrey was talking about it, multiple other offensive linemen, Orlando Brown Jr. They've all made comments about it throughout the week now. But he knew at that time that he was making a shot at the offensive line, and he knew that it was going to be there. The only problem is the guy you want him to pick on is Mahomes. Now, picking on the offensive line is kind of probably picking on Mahomes, where even if the offensive line doesn't do their job or Shaq Barrett's standing right in front of him, there's a decent chance Mahomes will take that motivation and do something special because he does. Or if he does something in front of him, he'll make sure Shaq Barrett knows it. But also, it's it's a mismatch. (laughs) So for everything he's saying and what you know, for this, uh, the Chiefs offensive line isn't playing well enough that I'm not afraid about what the Bucks defensive line can do. It like they are one of the best defensive lines and pass rushes in the NFL, and the Chiefs offensive line hasn't been playing well. So I'm not gonna lie that just because he said that, I'm like. Oh, they're going to dominate. Like, no, still, still a little worried about the matchup. Feels like it still could be problematic for the Chiefs, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I think it's tough to get mad at that comment after everything we've said about the offensive line over the past week, which is that I kind of thought you guys would look better than this. Now, we, we heard people saying that this might be the best, not one of the best offensive lines in yeah. the NFL, and they haven't been. So if we've been critical of the offensive line, don't you kind of expect a guy on a really good pass rush to be critical of them the week that they're getting ready to play him?
0: I guess, but you know, I guess, you know what some of it is, is that I'm used to, unfortunately, I've been beaten to death by uh, Andy Reid teaching his players to never say anything. <laughs> and so I'm just I'm accustomed to sitting in a press conference and hear them be so like. You like that? You like the? No, I no I answers. don't. I don't actually. I, I prefer Shaq Barrett's. I'm just used to it. So when someone says something, I'm surprised. Like wait,
1: they're allowed to say that?
0: You you can say <laughs> they let you say stuff there. My God, I mean like it's like they you know like Andy'll come to the podium and say things you just don't believe. Andy could be an 11-0 team getting ready to face an 0-11 team, and he'll step on that podium and be like. That record doesn't indicate who they are, man. That's a good that's a good football team. They, <laughs> they can get the better of us. I'm like, no, they're not. They're garbage. You don't have to say they're garbage, but just say they're not playing well or something. He won't even, he won't even bend that way. So Shaq Barrett's not wrong. They're playing really good on the defensive line, and the Chiefs aren't on the offensive line. But it's also, you know. To compare them between the two means he knows he's trying to get in their head about it or make the dig or make those. The thing is, I think there's an equal advantage on the other side. You know, the Chiefs and the Bucs are only one sack apart so far for the first three games of the season, 11 versus 10. They're fourth versus fifth. And I wouldn't say that the Bucs offensive line is playing well. To me, this can be motivation on both ends. Motivation for the offensive line to have their best game of the season and motivation for the Chiefs defensive line to prove that they can do what the Bucs are threatening. You do what they're threatening. You go get Tom Brady. You got all you've got just as many sacks as they do this year and their offensive lines hurt. So prove that this works both ways, I guess, is how I would feel about it, because this does feel like a low scoring game.
1: Well, guys, speaking of the offensive line, Jarek McKinnon leads the team in running back snaps in every single game. Does that mean anything at all or just something that has worked out that way?
0: I mean, it's it's interesting because you say every single game, not like he's leading them in running back snaps. Every he led them game. in snaps in game one, game two, and game three. It's not nothing. If I had predicted before the season started how the running back snaps would be divvied up, I wouldn't have had him first. There's extenuating circumstances for the first game. They were blowing him out. They got Clyde out early. So Jarek might've gotten the nod along with Pacheco because, you know, game one, they were blowing him out. So it got there. The two, the last two games have been very close and down to it. And Clyde in some of these games is getting less than 10 carries per game. The interesting thing about it is not that Jerick is leading because he's a good pass catcher. They're getting in some long third down situations because they aren't running the ball particularly well. And he's a good pass blocker. Uh, He might be the best of the three. None of them are particularly great, but he might be the best of the three. I think the interesting part is, Either they don't trust Clyde to run the ball very much, or they're trying to limit his snaps so that he can run the ball all year. That's what I can figure about Jarek McKinnon. In that first game, he had less than 10 carries. In this game, he had seven carries. That's not not a lot of carries. I refuse
2: to believe that, Cody. I refuse (laughs) to believe that they're doing this to preserve Clyde. Because that would mean that they are looking at Clyde's performance, not just this year, but over the entirety of his career, and saying, there's a guy we need to keep fresh for the playoffs. What he, would like, what indi- What has he done to indicate that they need to save him for the postseason or they need to keep him healthy all
0: year? Because when he's healthy, he averages despite the fact he just finished a game with exactly zero yards per carry. He averages five and a half yards a carry 5.3. Sorry to be exact. And he's getting in the end zone and they want him in the passing game. Nick, like, look, look at his carries. Why else are they doing it? Do they just not like him? He has seven carries, eight carries, seven carries. His catches are up, so they're using more like that. So maybe it's that, Nick. Maybe it's just well, we like him as a pass catcher, not so much as a runner. So
2: does does yards per carry through three games really mean anything? I probably mean, that's not. Such a, that's such age, a but,
0: small sample size. But even if you look at like uh, his career, let's say pre injury versus post injury, Nick, there's a huge drop off. Like those first three games of his rookie year when he was running the ball really well, there was a yard or more drop off from pre and post injury. Same as last year, pre and post injury. He's a different player before he gets hurt and after he gets hurt. He's averaging less yards per game than in either of those seasons when he started in the rushing game. So either they're not using him as much because they don't trust him, because he's averaging anywhere between, depending on the year, 13 to 23 less yards per game, even more than last year. But the catches are way up. So it's not like that they're just never using him. He is only 14 yards off of his entire receiving total from last year. That's it. 14 yards off his entire receiving total from the year before. So he's on pace for like 700 yards receiving, but they're not using him in the running game. So, like to me, Nick, it's either they're preserving him so that they can run him later in the season or they don't like him as a runner. They have officially now, deemed him essentially Jarek McKinnon. We'd like to just pass to him and never hand it off.
2: All right, I am going to take door number three. Actually,
0: <laughs> oh okay, I gave I you two choices. Theory,
2: oh. Okay, I'm gonna toss. I'm gonna toss a theory out to you guys, and you guys tell me what you think. I think we give coaches too much credit in one area, not in general, because I think in general. They are having to process a million different things in-game during the week preseason. They're, they're thinking about every possible scenario. I believe that to be true. What I don't buy is that they have grand plans for each individual player. I don't think Andy and Bienemy went into this season with this long-term 20-week plan of what they envision for Clyde. I think they enter the season and they go, All right, we got three running backs. Let's just kind of toss them all out there, see what we get, and then we'll figure it out as we go. I I don't think I think it's impossible to have all of these different plans when you don't know how things are going to shake out. You know, I I guess it's it's fun to think about having these plans and saying, okay, I got this master plan. We're going to save Clyde for the first three months, and then we're going to really push him out there the last month of the year. I just don't think that's how coaching staffs operate.
0: In baseball, they definitely do. They always have grand plans in baseball, like 160 innings. Baseball, in baseball and is done. far more predictable than the NFL, wouldn't you agree? Yes, I mean the salary cap might have something to do with that, but yes, um, significantly more so. But I, it, like the way you're describing Nick is like, well, we got three backs and we're using them all, but the running game has not been great. Shouldn't you hand the reins to someone and see if it works if you give them the amount of carries that they can make up for the bad ones? Like if you're just gonna give every running back seven carries a game, you're not even writing the hot hand at that point. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not even giving it to a guy six times, and if he's really going, well, let's give it to him fifteen. Right, but that's my you're just point. saying seven for
2: all. That's my point. I think maybe you ride a hot hand for a quarter or for a half or maybe even a game. But I think you are going into the season saying we got three backs. We're going to use them all. And this may be the McKinnon game because that's the game plan that we have. And he ends up getting a few more snaps here or there. But ultimately, I'm just, I don't think that you go into the, the season with an idea of like, okay, well, if this guy gets hot for a game, then next week, He's gonna be out there for all the snaps. I think you see a guy for a quarter and Reed and enemy are saying, okay, for whatever reason, like Clyde's having a lot of success today. These guys can't seem to tackle him. He's hitting holes well, whatever. Let's throw him out there for another drive. Play well. Let's throw him out there for another drive. Maybe I'm off. This is just totally a half baked theory, but I think sometimes we come up with these ideas of what coaching staffs do preseason when
0: maybe we're putting too much stock into that. I'm curious of both of your answers. If the Chiefs were forced to have one running back play the entire game, no subs, that's your guy. One back, you get to choose one. Who do you think they choose?
1: Pacheco. Just kidding. Um,
0: <laughs> that's the only that one I wasn't considering. <laughs> I'm in Rojo.
1: I'm going to go Clyde.
0: I think it might be Jarek McKinnon. Really? He does a little bit of everything which they like. That's why he gets more snaps. He's a little bit better pass blocker. He's always been thought of as a really good receiving back. And they're like, well, whatever drop-off we get in the running game, we'll live with. And there's not even there's not even a guaranteed drop-off there. It's not like Clyde has been this dynamic rusher his entire career. He's had spurts where it works. I That's, that's what makes it interesting to me. I don't know that there's a clear answer. It feels like by now we would have had it, but we know that they've kind of settled into Clyde being – a good back, but I don't know that they're still trying to pretend to themselves that he was that first round pick. They took two years ago.
2: I think this is a difficult question to answer because if you told Andy Reid, Hey, you can only have one back the rest of the year. He'd say, I quit. I quit. I won't. I've been doing this for 20 years. I've never just used one running back. Yes. But if given that.
0: that choice in other years, he would have said Jamal Charles, or he would have said, uh, yeah, he would but have you're said Brian about, Westbrook. Like he had an
2: answer. Right. You're talking about pro bowlers. You're talking about Jamal Charles, yeah. a hall of famer, right?
1: Yeah, Love Jamal. Can he's not a hall of famer,
0: but he should be.
2: Well, yeah, he's a hall of famer in our hearts. Can you imagine what Jamal Charles would do in this offense? I know this is like you could, an evergreen question, but isn't that fun to think about?
1: What could be? I guess what's
0: funny is like, you know, that when they took Clyde, they had a shot because you don't even have to go like, cool. Jamal Charles sounds good. What do you think this offense would look like with Jonathan Taylor? That's not even, like, a stretch. We're not even having to, like, create different decades in which people played, Nick. We just we just changed the math for 10 picks later, the Chiefs took a different player.
2: No, I'd rather have Jamal. I'd rather have Jamal. So would I, but that's not
0: the question.
1: Nick's that's over the there looking I into the asked. sunset, thinking about it.
0: Just daydreaming, Daydreaming
1: about what it would be like.
0: <laughs> you know what's funny is that if they had a guy like Derrick Henry, Chiefs fans would hate it so much because they'd never run him enough. And he'd just be like, be like, why do you use Derrick Henry more? And my argument would always be like, I don't know. He has Patrick Mahomes. Seems, seems like a fine decision at that point. I can't really argue the other side. I think to answer the
2: original question, I do think the answer is Jarek McKinnon because Andy Reid has a long enough track record. I mean, you mentioned Brian Westbrook, LaShawn McCoy after that, who we don't, yeah. we don't support LaShawn McCoy on this show, but that's okay. Um, he has a track record to suggest the backs that he wants aren't necessarily the best runners don't necessarily showcase the best vision downfield. He wants guys who are going to be useful in the passing game.
0: The thing he really wants to do. (laughs) If you were to chart
2: important traits for a running back in an Andy Reid offense, number one is, can you, can you be out there on passing downs? And we know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, like Jarek McKinnon, he's had injury history. He's had concerns in the past, but the one thing we know about him is that he is useful in the passing game. So that's why I'd probably give McKinnon the nod over Clyde.
1: (laughs) I'm even the one that's been critical of Clyde, and yet I still picked him. I'm kind of in between what both of you said. I don't think there is some grand plan here. Um, But at the same time, he has been injury prone. So could it be that they are kind of limiting his snaps? I don't know.
0: It might not be a grand plan, Kayla, like you said, but instead... Let's limit them because he gets hurt. Not let's limit them so we have him in December. Let's just limit him so we have him now. Like, it doesn't have to be self-fulfilling down the road. It could just be as simple as what's taking place right now.
1: Tommy Townsend, guys, got special teams player of the month. How bad are special teams when your punter gets player of the month?
2: Is that a good thing? Do Do you want your team's punter to win special teams player of the month? I don't think so. No. That means I, you're punting a lot, right? That's not a good thing. No.
0: That's a tough start. I mean, I guess I'm glad <laughs> because they're punting a lot that he's punting well. Yeah. But you do have to get, I mean, also, I mean, I don't even know how to determine that. It's like, well, he's kicking it far. You're like, okay. okay.
1: He's certainly not completing passes.
0: No, honestly, that should ding him, Kayla. That's a good point because <laughs> the fact that he threw that incompletion should knock him down a notch. I got to be honest his job he didn't even complete it and they didn't convert it he straight up didn't complete it he airmailed it that's that's hurting him in my in my assessment of his special teams player of the month honor and i like tommy he's been on our show in kansas city a couple of times but uh you know i mean if you're not you got to do the whole job this is a special teams player of the month not a week that tells
2: you that tells you how good he's been putting the ball fact he had you. that he had that blemish on his resume and still the, <laughs> The powers that be said, you know what? The
0: the numbers are too too good to ignore. I think they should have given it to Justin Reed instead. He wasn't even, he was doing the job as well as anybody. And he wasn't even
1: asked. Kidding.
0: Wasn't even asked to do the job. Although I was a little disappointed today because Tobe got asked about it and he made it very clear. He's like, Justin Reed is only going to be used in an emergency. And he said something maybe about kickoffs, but. They're not like kicking around the idea that if Butker can't go on Sunday, they would just let Justin Reed kick for the day. They're going to let the professional kicker kick. Kayla,
2: don't you think we're already, we've reached emergency status with the Chiefs kicking situation?
1: Yes, I would I would absolutely throw Justin Reed in there. Like
2: a dead serious question for you guys. We sort of, as football fans as a whole, we, we disrespect kickers in general because we don't feel like their jobs are as important as anybody else's on the team's. How much worse? Literally, I want I'm not a rhetorical question. How much worse could Justin Reed be than what we've seen from Matt Amendola, or what we see every week across the NFL whenever there's a, a fill-in kicker?
0: Not significantly, because they weren't willing to kick 42-yard field goals. So, I mean, he's in that range, right? Yeah, it's up to a 39-yarder. I trust Justin Reed will make that a majority of the time.
1: You I saw even his
0: kickoffs were fine.
1: I even retweeted someone in the game last Sunday who was like. Justin Reed better go in for this field goal when we thought we were going to be in field goal range to close out the game. I was, and, then I, and then I quickly unretweeted un- <laughs> when we do that interception.
0: I don't know. It's like we we just got out of watching them have their worst special teams performance of the entire year, and then my initial thought was, well, this isn't good because then everybody talked at the podium, and and Tobes says, well, it's uh, going to be Sky Moore. He's going to do punts. We're thinking Isaiah Pacheco for kickoffs and uh, we just got another guy off the scrap heap. He'll probably kick kicks. You're like, that's the same thing you did last week. It went very bad. Sky Moore couldn't field a punt. Isaiah Pacheco kept taking the ball out seven yards deep to get to the nine. And then, and then obviously we understand where the missed kicks happen. Obviously I think he's just thinking that's a one bad week. So we shouldn't use that as a judgment for what we are on special teams, but they're not going to make any changes. Everything we're doing with special teams is the same. I don't think it'd be significantly different if Justin Reed had kicked for Amendola, but I have revisionist history going into the game. I would have assumed you were safe with Amendola, but he stunk. And now I've got to hope that Sky Moore does the punt return job. Well, because if he keeps screwing that up, then he'll never be a part of the passing game.
1: While we're speaking of dream teams. Go ahead, Nick. Well,
2: no, I'm just curious. Like, do you guys think that Sky Moore's miscues on special teams really impact his ability to play on offense. They I think feel it impacts like, putting they feel like separate things to me though. Oh, interesting point. Like uh, what, why if you're Andy Reid and you see Sky Moore muff a punt, which is a very specific thing you ask a football player to do. And by the way, something that Sky Moore had never done in college. Why does that then make you say, well, you can't play on offense either because you muffed a punt, now I don't trust you to go out there and be a part of our offense?
0: I, I think that it happens. I think it happens because it's Andy Reid's whole offensive philosophy is on trust. Can I trust you to run the right route, be in the right location, not make mistakes? And you're making mistakes somewhere. And that's the only job I'm asking you to do. Like, it's the only job I'm asking you to do right now is not screw up that part, and you keep screwing it up. Like, I, it doesn't really matter what your line of work is, football or otherwise. Kayla, if you were an accountant in a past life, if you wanted to move up to a senior management position, but you kept screwing up everyone's books and costing them money, you, you know what? Kayla could do the better job, though. I bet she won't screw up there, too. Like, it doesn't, like, it, it's not often that in any industry it kind of works that way. I understand what you're saying, Nick. Like, no, but one like, job but like, is not the same as the other job.
2: But uh, For that scenario, right? Okay, Kayla, you work for the, the LA Kings, right?
0: Yes. If they asked you to start
2: doing their accounting and you screwed it up, I don't know that that's on you. That's
1: probably, <laughs> guys, I'm, on them. I'm flattered. You're you're putting me as an accountant, but trust and believe no one wants me as their accountant. And I haven't been one in any of my, <laughs> my lives.
0: Are you That's,
1: I, <laughs> that's kind of the thing? It's
2: like maybe you're just not an accountant. So maybe people should stop asking you to do their accounting.
0: Maybe people so maybe should stop Sky asking Moore. to return punts. Yeah. Math,
1: he never
2: returned punts in college. So maybe, yeah. Okay. You're not a good punt returner. You never were a punt returner. You know, one thing, maybe I... let him do the thing you drafted him to do, which is be a wide receiver. Or one... should
1: we give him more than three games to prove? Himself? Yes.
0: <laughs> that as well.
1: That, that as well.
0: well. I, uh, one thing I hadn't factored into, cause I thought the sun was definitely part of what was going on with Sky Moore. Um, but in talking to Danon Hughes, he said he, he returned punts. He's a former Chiefs wide receiver. He he returned punts, and he had pointed out that the, the, the Colts kicker, the punter, is, is a lefty. And he's like, that's harder. I was like, I hadn't even thought about it. I'm like, I don't know. It's just a ball in the air. What's the difference? And he's like, no, that's harder. And when you're talking about because it's not what you're used to, and when you're talking about Nick, the fact that he had never returned punts, and every single second of every single practice he ever had at Chiefs training camp, was with right-footed Tommy Townsend, it's a pretty stark reminder that you're like, oh, shit, they were really asking him to do something he didn't know. Hey, man, return kicks, there's sun in your face, and it's coming from a completely different angle. Good luck. And the, <laughs> and the only two other options, Michael Hardman, Hurt, and Trent McDuffie on injured reserve, who had both returned punts, both at college and in McDuffie's case, or in college and McDuffie's case, and in the pros and Hardman's, weren't available because of injury.
2: They say that that's weird for left-handed quarterbacks too. Like receivers catching balls from lefty quarterbacks can take some time getting used to. Because not ball, affecting Tyreek. Well, no, um, or Jalen Waddle for that matter. But I guess he <laughs> already played with a lefty. But I'm sure that is because the spin's probably different. It's probably just not visually what you're used to seeing.
0: Yeah, it's coming from like a slightly different angle, right? Like even if it's a little bit, it's cutting in instead of going out. It's like a golf swing, Nick. It's like. It's got to fade, or it's got to slip, yeah. You know, like it's coming just a different way, kind of the angle, trajectory. It's all weird.
1: Well, before we get to our game predictions, and while we're talking about dream teams, how much do we miss Dante Hall?
0: <laughs> For this purpose, yeah, we talked about. Yeah, we added Jamal Charles. I would also like to add Dante Hall. I do. And like last like, yeah, episode we nice. did
2: Tyreek. So each each episode, we'll just uh, I'll talk about a different former Chiefs player that we miss.
0: I mean, if the offensive line isn't playing well, then I'm supposed to go out and ask Willie, for Willie Roche. Roche. If I start saying I miss uh, Eric Fisher, then you'll know I'm really dissatisfied with Orlando <laughs> Brown Jr.'s play. Not that he was a bad player, but I don't know that everyone's ever been like, you know, I really miss Eric Fisher. We all just understood he was a good offensive lineman, which is what we're hoping Orlando Brown Jr. is. I
2: miss Jan Stenerud for what it's worth.
1: I miss Priest Holmes.
2: Okay, yeah. there we go. We all got a player in.
0: <laughs>
2: Wait, which one did I say? Willie Rofe? <laughs> yeah. And
0: Eric Fisher for that. I matter. stand I stand by, I stand by Willie Rofe. I'd like to, uh, I'll think about Eric Fisher's inclusion.
1: All right. We are going to close out the show today with of course our game and score predictions. I don't even know where to go with this one. So much outside noise surrounding this game, but guys, what are we thinking for Sunday night football?
0: Well, at least now we can make this prediction knowing that the game is in Tampa, but that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers practice all week in Miami so it's not like their week was normal, and I do not trust that offense. I know they're getting Godwin and Evans back. They had both those guys in the first game. They couldn't score. They had one of those guys in the second game. They couldn't score. They had neither in the third game, and they looked like the most inept offense in the NFC. Getting both of them back does not solve their offensive problems, does not solve their offensive line problems. Um, but the Bucks have a really good defense. This is for the first time in a long time. I'm going to predict the Chiefs to score less than 30. I still think they win because I think they're the better team, but I think they win 24 to 17. All right. 24 to 17.
1: I had 24, 21 for what it's worth. Chiefs.
2: Wow. So you guys both have them scoring less than 30 points. Is that where we're at with the chiefs offense? No, nah, it's the bucks defense for me on
0: this. I'm not trying to just be down on the chiefs offense. Cause even in bad games, they do seem to manage to score 17, 20, 27, whatever, but I just feel like the Bucks defense can cause them problems. I agree, but let's go back to the
2: Monday episode, Cody, when you made the proclamation that what we learned about the Chiefs in Indianapolis in a losing effort was that their defense was actually good. It is. Right? No qualifiers. Actually a good defense. Well, now they're going up against a short-handed Bucs offense, and Tom Brady, listen, Postseason, I expect the Buccaneers to probably get 11-12 wins, win the South because that division is hot garbage, and probably compete in the playoffs to go to another Super Bowl. But right now, looks like a team that's a step behind. Not just the injuries, but the fact that Tom Brady has had a a shortened offseason. He was gone for a lot of training camp. You're pretty shorthanded on offense. I just... I think the Chiefs win this game simply because right now they're the better team. And I I agree with both of you guys. I don't necessarily expect the offense to go off, but I mean, four touchdowns for the Chiefs isn't necessarily going off. I I have them them at 30 points. I'm going to go 30 to 24. I think we all expect it to be close, but I still think right now, week four, the Chiefs are the better football team than the Buccaneers, who haven't looked good for one game this year.
0: No, they, and I I guess, I don't know. They've, it's not that they've never beaten a good team. I just, I always get confused, Nick, like, you know, power rankings don't mean anything. I understand that they're not like some all tale thing, but the bucks can get good after this game. They take on the Falcons, Steelers and Panthers in three straight games. That can be their get right moment of the season where we feel different about them and they kind of put their pieces together. But every time I see somebody be like, they're the fourth best team in the NFL. I'm like, what indicator? Any indicator have you been given by that team that they're the fourth best team in the NFL? It doesn't exist. (laughs) Just defense, like, well, they're a really good defense. I'm like, yeah, but their quarterback's playing like, he's playing worse than Joe Flacco. So, no, I'm I'm good. I, I stand by where the records are. They're both not again. I don't think the Bucks are a bad team. I'm trying to put them in the likes of the Panthers or some other those other lost franchises, but. The Chiefs will score enough to win this game. I, it's not that I can't see them losing. It's not like the Colts game where I'm like, "Give me away." There's ways. There's ways they can lose this game. I just think they're going to win it.
1: I yeah, I got a little overzealous last week with my picks. So and no, I, was, I stand
0: by that actually. They played the Colts humbled. again this week. I would say the same thing. Have any of us are we
2: twelve and zero in picking the Chiefs to win this year? Have any yeah. of us picked the Chiefs loss? It when will that moment come?
0: It will happen eventually, right? Week six. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a favorite. Favorite in the clubhouse. Depending on how they play, Nick, it could be next week. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to stop those Raiders. I'm joking. It's, stop it was sarcasm.
2: It. Not okay. This is not a laughing matter. The Raiders are <laughs> an absolute dumpster fire. So, yeah, what would need to happen over the next two weeks for you to feel good going into the Bills game?
0: Um, the offense that that's more it like I would want I would want their defense to keep looking the way that it is. But if the offense looks like it's clicking against the just the Bucks, like if the offense looks like it's going against the Bucks, I'll feel like they got a chance against the Bills. Just just that alone. Even if the offense like settles back into a lull a little bit against the Raiders, at least if I know it can happen against a really good defense, it's plausible. But I don't know, the Bills just lost a 21-19 game too. So they can play some ugly ones just the same as the Chiefs just lost. So It's not to say that that game couldn't be lower scoring than we think, even though it's a couple weeks away.
1: For me, it would have to be commanding wins and full team effort on every side of the ball.
2: I mean, that's a lot to ask, but I agree 100%. Like, I'm not necessarily expecting it, but that's how good the Bills
0: are, right? Yeah. Yeah, and they already had their upsetting loss, which means... It's less likely to happen now two weeks from now
1: and going back to shaq barrett's comments i like the smack talk because i think that fires our team up so we're already going in with ammo
2: as if you needed to give them ammo coming off a loss to a bad colts team
1: exactly as as if we needed more a fired up patrick mahomes is my favorite mahomes
0: that's my favorite about like the Mm. people really do stop the um you know they're desperate it's like the Raiders—they're desperate now. I'm like, what do you mean? They—they they weren't desperate against the Titans. They were 0 2. They should have been pretty desperate then. It's too late. No one can come in if the the Raiders lose next this week, which they very well can to the Broncos. If they if they lose this week and are 0 and 4, no one better on this podcast at least be like, well, the Raiders are a desperate team. Like they should have been desperate for a month. <laughs> it's too late. So yeah, pretty unlikely. I'll choose them next week. We'll talk against the Bills maybe we we'll be, will be fifth, you know, we'll be 16 and 0 by next week in picking him.
1: <laughs> there you go. Stay tuned. Um we will obviously be back with you on Monday for game reaction and more. Thank you all for listening and make sure you subscribe Rate and Review wherever you get your podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. I am Kayla Canarum. That is Cody Tap. He is Nick Short, and this is the It's Always Game Day in Kansas City podcast.